It is oblivion. It is 12-21-2020, which is the winter solstice. Uh, it's also the uh, convergence. Yeah. Um, so uh, you did hear about that. <clears throat> Have you seen it yet? Uh, I don't think it'll happen until around uh, dusk. Yeah. Well, you, you could see it the days before, like we lo- watched last night. Although I called uh, Dad to uh, have him look at it. And uh, <clears throat> he was already planning on looking at it tonight. Um, but he went went out and drove out in a field somewhere and was, got out of the car and looked up and it was cloudy. <laughs> oh, it, it was clear as a bell here, but uh, well, it's supposed to be clear tonight, and I and I think tonight is when it's, it's the closest. Yeah, optimum. I mean it, it, it's already like very close. When you look at it, you have to have glasses on. Uh, it's so close already. Um, and when you look at it in a binoculars or a telescope, you know, they're real close. Like in a telescope, uh, you know, you can see the Saturn and the ring and, you know, like it's not very far at all. Like let's say 10 widths of Jupiter or whatever. Uh, wow. Is Jupiter. Yeah. I mean, they are like side by side. So can you get, uh, photographs of this like you did with the eclipse yeah uh we made some last night and we'll try to we'll try to set it up where it's like uh you can we're trying to like take some photographs through the telescope that would be the coolest but, uh, so we'll try that tonight send you so i have or good i have a suggestion mm-hmm. if you're able to get some good pictures of it Perhaps you could uh, update the Oblivion promo page. And even though the picture of the eclipse is is really incredible, you could instead update it and have the uh, picture of the convergence. Well, yeah, and you could even Nancy's been playing around with this, making little, um, you can make these GIF animations where it's just like, 10 photographs, you know, <laughs> you can make little, little animations so you can have the planets converging, eclipsing each other, a whole whole range of fun things. Because it would be consistent with the celestial theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, but I kind of like the idea of uh, an update. I mean, that, that picture of the eclipse is incredible and, and wonderful. But if you if you can get a good one, especially if you can get a good one where the rings of Saturn are are visible, mm. uh, that'd be pretty cool to have up there instead. Yeah, yeah, we'll try our best tonight. We're the Oblivion Podcast, and we stay current. <laughs> but before you know it, they'll be separated again, and then it's just old news. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, speaking of people going into Oblivion, there was. Um, the numbers this week are 317,800, uh, which is up 18.5. So it's still going up, not going down. What do you mean by you mean 18.5 uh, from that? Yeah, 18.5K up from the week before. Uh, okay. 
So 317.8 well, uh, is the number that I've got. So you look at this map, uh, Tennessee, man, that governor fucked up. <laughs> I mean, you can you can just tell, like, I mean, the borders, it's just dark. The whole Tennessee is, <laughs> and it's bleeding. You can see it bleeding in a little bit into the surrounding uh, states, but it's so graphic. Uh, but what happens when you don't do shit? <clears throat> right, and he was on television last night saying, we need everybody to be careful and stay home over Christmas. Like he doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just it's all on the people, and hopefully they won't go out for Christmas. Yeah, these people, uh, you know, they're sure they're good Christians like me, and I'm not going to judge them if they do. Uh, you ha- you had on here. What did Mayor have to say about? It was it like tax the churches if they want to get together? Right. And uh, when I the the article was dated 2016, so it it isn't really current, but I I think that it's still relevant uh, because it kind of ties in with the larger theme for this week, which is the the failed state. But mayor is basically saying that churches should be taxed, that they shouldn't be tax exempt just because they're putting on what he calls a magic act, which I think he's correct. I mean, I think that's all it is. I mean, there's a lot of theater and costumes and Well, the biggest biggest problem to me is not that, uh, you know, to ridicule whatever the rituals and stuff. The whole point is that they can keep that. They should be able to keep that as long as they stay apolitical, you know. They separate from the government, and they don't like support candidates and, and preach politics from the pulpit. But fuck, that's been basically since the moral majority, you know, when they did the... Reagan revolution. Yeah, the Reagan revolution and the moral majority um, of Christian movement where they finally, the fundamentalists, instead of being before, it was like, you know, that's the worldly concerns. They, just, <clears throat> they decided that they're going to go full on... Uh, political, and right. uh, and from that point on, it was just overt uh, right. uh, press and politics on the pulpit. So, but it's never been challenged, and of course, it never will be because all these, uh, you know, it's the liberal consensus to just overlook all that and accept that, uh, along with their phony religious beliefs. Uh, you know, it made me think of. Uh, that came up recently, Obama's talking about the Reverend Wright in his book. You remember Reverend Wright? That was his minister there in Chicago, and he was the one that said, you know, goddamn America uh, speech, and cetera. He finally he had to throw him under the bus there. That was early on in the uh, 20, uh, 2008 campaign. Uh, <clears throat> And, and, of course, this church, you know, is high-end, you know, uh, people. And he said, well, his his tone was wrong, talking about all these uh, hardcore issues about empire and exploitation and capitalism and all these things. But it was just outre. I mean, all these prosperous people, they know about this stuff to start with. You need to just go back to talking about um 
you know. So <clears throat> I'm all I'm all fine with the uh, churches, you know, spreading love and helping people and uh, all that. But uh, when they start trying to, they which they have largely succeeded doing, totally infiltrated the government. Uh, I mean, look at uh, you know people wonder about the uh, so-called so hypocrisy of the Christians supporting Trump, right? You know, the Philistine, hedonist, right. uh, crazed, whatever. But, I mean, look at the result. He put all these nut job Christians right in power from the vice president on down. Uh, Pompeo's a complete Christian nut job. Uh, Betsy DeVos, she's like one of the the Voss family, the, you know, Christian, right, you know, uh, the sister of the mercenary Christian uh, prince. Right. Uh, yeah. So these, uh, yeah, so to, to bring it back around to uh, uh, the whole taxing thing, uh, yeah, they, they should have a long time ago. And, and I, and uh, kind of the, the the policies of a lot of them. Now, I would I don't know what the in general. I think they they you know these churches get it, um, and uh, but a lot of these other ones are just of course they're going to be in complete denial about blood of Jesus and all that. And, well, the uh, two observations. One is uh, I think. In, generally, I agree that it is the it isn't the existence of the church itself, but rather the fact that the the church has taken on um, uh, active political uh, advocacy that means that it should be uh, taxed. I mean, it has to make up its mind. You know, if it if it wants to say we should be uh, tax exempt and, and to keep that, that status, then it should all adhere to uh, staying out of political matters. Uh -huh. But I'm also not entirely sure that I would agree with that because uh, I think of the uh, Catholic Church's stance on abortion. And I don't think that it was only until 1980 that Catholics started saying abortion is horrible and it's baby killing and we've got to keep the women pregnant and, and poor and in the kitchen and doing laundry. <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, I tend really not to buy into the idea that any institution, certainly one that's as powerful as the church can be a political or, or non-political. Uh, I think that the church has always been a secular institution for most of human history, the uh, the church was uh, deeply intertwined and interconnected with the monarchy. In fact, they were basically inseparable. The whole idea of the divine right of kings, the king derives his power because he's in the hierarchy. He is just below God, right? You have God and then you have the king. I mean, people didn't even look at human beings as human beings. We were all literally just these different kind of creatures. And the, the king was the human version of God. And then on down from there, you had the, the nobles and then the, the, 
and then the the church, and so the church was there to basically uh, enforce a a social code, a a social code, and a social uh, order that made people uh, subservient. Uh, the whole idea of uh, you know religion yeah. is the opium of the of the people, right? It's there to instead of people thinking, why should we toil? in you know indentured servitude and be under the rule of this tyrant and his goons with sores that are going to chop our heads off if we say we don't want to live like this well, why does the king get to live in that castle and have all of these riches i mean it's basically we come full circle it's, it's the way life is now while we sit here and and toil and do all of the work and and we're we're poor and it's the churches that are saying that, well, but God is watching you, and if you complain, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> Versus if you uh, if you don't complain and you're well behaved and you have faith, in the end you'll be rewarded. Now you have to wait until after you die, but other than that, you will get you, you you'll get paid. <laughs> now I'll finally get my uh, stimulus check or <laughs> or eternity right. check. Or which right, uh, right, apparently right. that passed yesterday the um the latest stimulus they waited until the very last second 8 months of doing absolutely nothing they they get they get all of this taxpayer money that's that's how they're paid to spend 8 months arguing about whether or not Americans should get any help during a crisis Yeah, the New York Times this morning was, you know, many millions will be helped out financially in, in the right, and <laughs> it's what like a six six hundred fucking dollars. That's how long keep, was, that'll keep you through the winter? Yeah, six hundred dollars is a bar cap in New York, in, in New York City. Just a daily bar tab. Yeah, look, I mean, let's say you go out on the town for, for an evening. You've got uh, three people go out, uh, and they uh, they go to a bar. They go see a play. Then they go out to dinner, and then they, uh, they go out to another bar again for uh, a nightcap. Uh, that's easily six hundred dollars, probably more than six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding. But see, it's, you gotta, you gotta um, pull up your bootstrap and not go out and drink at a bar. See, you'll have to stay at home. No, you'll have um, to stay, save that money, stay, or stay in your cardboard box in the alley. <laughs> right. And. and uh, they apparently and, uh, did extend the the eviction moratorium, uh-huh. but it's that, but it's but that only covers the, any federal stuff, right? Fairly nationwide, right? Well, but in, in any event, it just seems to be forestalling the inevitable. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. Eventually, the the uh, people the rent will come due. Yeah. Yeah, and and so what about a rent forgiveness? I guess there's not going to be any of that. So. Uh, 
Right. We can bail out the the Wall Street and the investment banks, but we, we won't let people be able to stay uh, in their homes because of something that's both no fault of their own from an epidemiological standpoint, but also from the, uh, the, the correct policy, but, but nonetheless, the government policy of, of shutdowns and lockdowns. That, that make it where people can't either they either can't make any money at all or they certainly can't make the money that they are used to making. I mean, you, you, you budget your, your life according to what you've grown accustomed to, what your reasonable expectations are. This is what I make. This is what my expenses are. And then, boom, all of a sudden, you know, the only way that you can bring the pandemic under any kind of control is to have lockdowns and to either reduce restaurants and bars to 33% capacity or to make it where they can't have any indoor business at all. And of course, that's greatly going to erode um, the, the money that people are making. So if you're going to do that, doesn't it make sense that you then have to give people money and make it where they can't be kicked out of their homes? I mean, it's not like everybody just woke up one morning and decided, uh, I'm just going to quit working. Uh, and uh, I want free stuff from the government, and um, I'm just going to quit paying rent. And I think I should just be a squatter and, and sit here in my apartment. <laughs> but that's one of the, uh, I guess for, for me, that's one of the major themes uh, this week is that America is, is a failed state. And I was looking at uh, Wikipedia for definitions of, of a failed state. And it's one uh, one of the main uh, uh, criteria is uh, that it can't collect taxes, hmm. and that's definitely America. I mean, it, it not only can't collect taxes because it can't it can't tax the the rich, and of course, if you can't tax your wealthiest people, you're you're missing out on the bulk of the tax revenue that, that you need. Well, uh, it's it's the opposite of, of taxing them. They're actually just making money out of thin air and giving to them by the trillion. Um, to which I would the call corruption. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh, and that's another... I, uh, tell, 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 total, total capture of state capture. Right. So, yeah, as far as the de- democracy, totally. Um, <laughs> I just was thinking about the, the screaming Tom Cruise. Did you did you hear any uh, the audio? Yeah, he was on the set of uh, <laughs> the latest Mission Impossible movie, and he apparently he flipped out on people for not social distancing. Yeah, I, I can't. I didn't look too closely at it. I think it was spurred by there was a there were a couple people, and maybe they were kind of close or whatever, and they were too near each other editing on a computer or some shit and uh and he just went off on them and told them they could get fired if they you know seize it again and you know just a total asshole boss psychopath but the weird thing is that um you know you can i definitely have a lot of anger at people that are just like a dumbass about the fucking math and social distancing and never denial about it I can, I you know, I, 
I felt that. But what he was doing was this just, you know, like an infant tirade of an overprivileged psycho. You know, uh, that's how I looked at it, ultimately. And, right. I mean, you could say if he was that worried about it, then why not just delay making the film? Right. Yeah. And that was part of his rant because there was one delay before because of uh, somebody got COVID. And, uh, you know, so it's, not even, us. Yeah. It's, it's not even about public health. It's I'm not going to be able to get my movie made. If well, he, he put it. He, he said there's thousands of people who depend on this movie. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he framed it that way. But. Yeah, I mean, it was all very conscious. I mean, he sure, you know, he knew this was going to uh, get out there. So it, it, there's a right. a cold, calculated PR thing behind the seemingly real rage he was uh, expressing. Uh, what, a, what, to, uh, a weird, what a weird guy. To, to tie in with the failed state is... Um, Welcome to the uh, 22nd century, and that the new world power is China. Uh-huh. And the my basis for this, in in fact, is there are uh, there've been reports out of Wuhan, and lots of photographs showing that they've the Chinese have eradicated the virus, and the the Chinese economy is booming. I mean, the nightlife in Wuhan is exactly what Americans uh, claim to so desperately want, but refuse to do the things to bring it, ab- bring it about. And so I look at it this way. Americans insist that China is this authoritarian state, but China did 80 days of lockdown and got the virus under control and then eradicated it. America has basically at this point been in a lockdown for a year. Now you tell me which one is the authoritarian state. <laughs> Eighty days or a year. You know, well, which, would you rather? It was, it was a, what, the one was a lockdown in quotes. That was no no such thing. Not even a quarter of the way to a lockdown, as we can see now. It totally got out and. And you know, there's no no even use in tracking it anymore. It's so endemic. Right. That's another ridiculous thing: is these super long lines of people getting tested, and it's like it doesn't. It's too late for that. Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't even know. They don't even know why (laughs) the the testing is valuable. Like you do the lockdown first, you bring the curve down to zero, then you get your testing, contact tracing, and strategic isolation system set up. Then when you open things back up, when the inevitable infections, infection rates start to go back up, then you can quickly bring it back under control again. But once you've let it be out of control for months, it doesn't do you any good to get tested because they're, they're, the infections are spreading too fast and too many people are infected. There's no way to contact trace. It's just not, it's just not practical. So everybody in these long lines, they, they get tested, and, of course, they don't understand that the, the test only means that's a snapshot of that one moment. It doesn't mean that in the next 10 minutes you can't get infected. 
And they think, okay, yeah, I got tested, I'm negative, so I'm fine. And then they go out and they want to go to their Thanksgiving party or their Christmas party. And then they're going to wind up getting, uh, getting infected. But this, uh, this latest article that I looked at just yesterday about Wuhan shows all of these pictures. And it doesn't really look like an authoritarian state to me. It's booming nightlife. Uh, everybody's out at bars and restaurants. They're having a really good time. They're getting so loaded that it showed some pictures of like a, some guy needing to be helped to get across the street. <laughs> People basically just having a lot of fun. It's like, well, wouldn't you like to be doing that, America? You know, who's doing that? The Chinese. What are you doing? You still, you still can't go out and, and have any fun. And on top of that, the, the pandemic is worse than ever. Like you still have to be in mortal fear of, of getting infected. I mean, look at what's been happening in California. The, the uh, ICUs are at full capacity in the, um, in the central and southern part of the state. And there's really, uh, the, the, their models show uh, no end in sight. And um, the, the other point that I just want to make along these lines is uh, there was a, a book uh, written by uh, Nicholas uh, Kristoff called uh, China Wakes. And it's about, you know, China being the, the uh, oldest um, continuous uh, civilization on Earth. And, and I think that the parallel to that book, which basically argues that, that you know, China is, uh, is this uh, giant. And it's, uh, it's a quote from Napoleon that says, when China wakes, it will shake the, the world. In other words, China's got the, the most people and it, it, it has... Uh, all of this uh, education and all of these resources, but it's an old and poor country and it's had political problems. But once it gets its act together and it's able to modernize, it will start to dominate. And so the parallel book that I'm going to write is um, the United States is put to sleep, right? And, and that's literally what the coronavirus did. It put the United States to sleep. I mean, there's no way that America is is not a failed state and that it will recover uh fr from this i mean i don't see how you can be optimistic or say it's going to cycle back around well i uh, i um when you look at the i, I would i'm i'm optimistic and i think that's the best outcome <laughs> you know well, i am too but, i'm not saying it's a bad thing yeah yeah so i mean yeah uh, you I mean, are I, being optimistic again, I'm, and, I'm thinking of of uh, that. america the farewell tour by Chris Edges, where he says, you know, America is, is ending, but it's a good thing for humanity. It's a good thing for the world because the world cannot live by America's example. Just this um, reckless, rampaging, devouring, psychopathic, um, crazed and, and right. willfully ignorant. And speaking, speaking of that, um, have you noticed the uh, they've put quite a bit of emphasis on the climate, uh, or whatever they call it, climate change, the climate, what should be called climate disaster, catastrophe, <laughs> crisis. Right. Um, you know, the Biden administration has put a lot of emphasis on their incredible picks, you know, for the climate. Now, we're going to quickly see how, you know, it's going to be 
it's going to be all marketing and it's going to be no uh no action you know uh on the existential right. threat um, <clears throat> and they'll get away with it because all of the democrats will say well if trump were in there it'd be even worse <laughs> and it's, as soon as you say one critical word about joe biden everyone will jump down your throat and say well, you want trump back in there you want trump back in there <laughs> and i'll say no i don't want trump back in there but you do because that's exactly who's going to be back in the white house <laughs> in 2024 because four years with people hurting the way that they are and joe biden's going to do nothing yeah nothing he's yeah. all it's going to be is we've got to work with the republicans we've got to work with the gonna republicans be, it's going to be the republicans of the 1920s the harding administration uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the the unfortunate thing is I, neither party is there a chance that there could be an FDR progressive type. You know, he was no revolutionary, but some good things did come out of that to save the capitalist empire. But uh, no, but he wasn't a right wing extremist either. Yeah, which is all we're going to get from from either so-called side. Uh, you know, there's right. going to be no. Uh, I mean, they already the Biden, the whole Biden cabinet. I was talking about there. I'm sure if you looked at the climate people, they're just uh, horrible corporate, you know. Like Pete Buttigieg being the Chinese historical Why did they put him in? Was he a climate? Oh, transportation. Okay. Right. And it's like, so, and it's, it's supposed to be a historical moment because he's the first openly gay person oh, like to be to, to be appointed to a cabinet. But the other way to look at it is, you know, career politician backed by Wall Street money gets cabinet position. Yeah. So is that really historical? That sounds like <laughs> business as usual to me. You know, just because he likes to take it up the ass, you know, uh, from a guy isn't a special qualification. I'm sorry. Right. And it's like, who really cares that, that, he, that he's gay? It's like, it, the, the idea isn't like if you're gay, that's good. And if you're straight, that's bad. It's that you're not supposed to be homophobic and bigoted against a person because they're they're gay. But it doesn't mean that if you're gay, that means you're going to do a great job at anything that you do just because you're gay. Uh, it's just it's just completely um, ri ridiculous. I mean, I can't think of a single cabinet appointment that strikes me the, the least bit impressive or unexpected in a good way well and 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 amazingly um devoid of any even slight hint of the whiff of progressivism and any of them uh, complete right. I mean, total utter rebuke of bernie uh right you know, can Bernie possibly look at that and be like happy about that? I mean, can he stick he would the be, way we do? Look, if if the Biden administration is supposed to be about embracing and integrating the the progressives with the mainstream Democratic Party, right. then Bernie Sanders would be the perfect person to be Secretary of Labor. Right. The idea that a that a 
really liberal state like Vermont, you would worry about losing a, a seat in the Senate because, you know, Bernie would be replaced by a Republican is ridiculous. I mean, probably the safest place that you could pluck a, I mean, Bernie's an independent, but that you could pluck a liberal from the Senate seat and bring them to the cabinet would be Vermont. Because, I mean, the, the, I think the only retort to saying Bernie should have a cabinet position is, well, no, we need to keep Bernie in the, in the Senate. You know, we, we don't want to lose that seat to a Republican. But I just can't imagine that Vermont, of all places, where Bernie Sanders has represented uh, Vermont in the Senate for decades, would suddenly think, yeah, let's let's put da- uh, Daniel Cameron, you know, you know, let's we want Kyle Rittenhouse to be our senator. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Now, you had on here um, uh, Senegal, and I was just looking at the coronavirus map, the world map. Uh, can't actually, I guess I'd have to see that. Is this along the coast? But the the yeah, remarkable the, the remarkable thing is that all of it's lighter colored. The whole map except for South Africa and Namibia are 15 for 100,000, which is uh, not very high. Uh, but most of them are almost zero. Uh, right, and we grew up with all this propaganda of how lucky we are to live in America and look how horrible it is in Africa where everybody's starving. And um, remember when they did We Are the World and they kept showing all the starving people in Ethiopia and war-torn places and malaria and Ebola running wild. And Africa, of all places, is apparently having no problem um, keeping the pandemic under control. And and so when it's it's not in there at all, I mean, it's... Point one, nearly all of them are point one to point three per hundred thousand. Uh, when I when I watched the report on on Senegal, the the thing that struck me is that the the reason that they were able to they've been successful in in uh, keeping the virus under control is it's a pretty basic explanation of of collaboration that you know everybody all of the the major social groups in the culture. We're all on board that, yeah, this is a problem. We've got to control it. For example, the religious leaders in, in Senegal, which is a Muslim uh, country, uh, were, were all uh, in agreement with the government, and, and the government uh, understood that, that it had to work with the, uh, the religious leaders if it wanted to successfully uh, control the pandemic, and they were all in agreement that, yes, you know, we'll um, – will work together and they, they still have their, uh, their mass, but they have fewer people in there and the people bring their own, um, mats, you know, when they, when they go in there to, uh, uh, to, to sit down and to, and to pray in the, in the mosque and they, and they socially distance. Whereas in America, of course, the churches have been the most belligerent, antagonistic, arrogant, uh, people in the whole culture insisting on doing everything they can to, to spread this virus. And anytime somebody says we want to either shut down the churches or limit gatherings or limit the number of people in there, you've got people like Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron saying this is a 
violates the First Amendment. And this is a, the violates religious freedom, deliberately going out of their way to spread the virus. Even, even when the leaders of some of these churches, like I think it happened in Louisiana and Virginia, even when some of the leaders in these churches get it and die. Here is uh, on the world, uh, <clears throat> the highest ones in the world, uh, the top is 100 per 100,000 cases. Lithuania, <laughs> then it's Liechtenstein, not far behind. <laughs> San Marino, Georgia, Gibraltar, Luxembourg, Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, Panama, Sweden, then the United States. So uh, this is um, world, highest uh, uh, per 100,000 people? Yeah. yeah. So uh, and then it's Netherlands, Denmark, Czech Republic, Montenegro, Switzerland, you know, it's mostly Europe. Uh, yeah, Europe and the U.S. But even Europe collectively, which has which has more people and is more densely populated than the United States, still doesn't have uh, cumulatively the number of deaths that America does. Yeah, right. And and not only that, but you can take uh, the the uh, Asian countries. I was going to bring up Thailand. Thailand had an outbreak that was linked to migrant workers from Myanmar at a, a seafood um, processing uh, plant. And um, that caused a big uh, stir of panic in Thailand, which has an extremely low number of, of deaths and infections. But that's the difference in how the cultures react. Like any flare up, in these Asian countries, and everybody takes it seriously. And in America, no matter how bad it gets, people just don't change their mind about anything. They're, they're going to continue to go out. They're going to continue to uh, act like it, it doesn't matter and that no one can tell them what to do. And, um, I mean, I just think that um, – did the uh, it's, lockdown it's close in Kentucky? What's that you know, again? You know, there was sort of a lockdown or whatever here in Kentucky. Uh, did they quit on the 13th or did they extend that? It did. I think I think actually last Monday at mm -hmm. at noon, everything was allowed to open back up again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, well, and with that and the um, um, holidays, you know, going to spike right back up and oh my god they're gonna have to close it back down again right and it's like you know now would be the time just to keep everything locked down but of course you can't do that because it's the holidays and it's because jesus it's, died on the cross for us so you gotta happy birthday jesus and happy birthday uh, so you can't you can't say people no we've got to keep things uh shut down um I guess maybe that should uh, take us over to what's going on in, in Britain, which seems to be pretty scary, not just because of this new, more contagious uh, strain, but because they're, they're actually worried that Britain's just going to be uh, cut off from the rest of the world. Well, there's this new variant uh, that I really first heard about 
uh, from his announcement of the shutdown, he, he mentioned this. And then there was a pretty good article on the New York Times on the whole variant. Uh, new coronavirus variant causes alarm around the world. And uh, apparently it's also in South Africa, or there is one similar. Or some reason I can't uh, yes. It's in it's in South Africa. It's also been found in Australia, Denmark, and and the Netherlands. And I think that it, it may be linked to uh, the reports that I first heard about this, where there was uh, uh, infestation of the mink population in Denmark about two months ago, and the, the Danes had to call their entire mink population because Denmark is known for their mink fur trade for their, for their animal and, royalty. Right. <laughs> How's that for your Scandinavian, <laughs> you know, super and, advanced and civilized? Well, yeah. Bernie Sanders is not only is he Fidel Castro, but he wants to kill all the animals. Bernie Sanders is a is a communist millionaire who. Um, walking around in his uh, fur coats. Um, good thing we've got Anderson Cooper to uh, keep him out of the White House and destroy his uh, political ambitions. Uh, but that was the first that I heard about this. And then, but then it said that um, shortly after it, there was a, a tendency to uh, downplay it, and that they didn't think it was really going to be that get that out of control. But apparently, that's you know, not the case. And one of the things that really worried me is an article that I read this morning said most of the scientists don't think that this will have any implications as far as the vaccine is concerned, but there was not a consensus that that was the case. There were some people that said that because this variant, the the protein spikes uh, have changed, right? I mean, the means by which that the virus can uh, infiltrate the the cells and turn the cells into you know factories for making more of the virus. Since that has changed, um, it is possible that the vaccine might not be uh, effective against this new strain. But again, I would say uh, there was only the one uh, concern about that. Most of the scientists who who were um, who were uh, interviewed said that uh, they didn't think it would have any uh, impact on the, uh, the the effectiveness of the vaccine. There was also a biomathematician from UCLA who said that he wasn't even sure that it's true that this new strain is more infectious because he said you have to take into account uh, factors such as uh, population was- density and the behavior, the behavior of people right, yeah. Going to living therapy. in these places. Because it, you know, it's like, is it really the fact that this strain is 70% more uh, infectious, or is it just that because London is the place where it's spreading, and of course that would be consistent with the argument that the, ex, the explanatory factor is population density and the... Uh, the, be, the Hello? to, you know, practice social distancing. Yeah. Uh, you cut out there for a second, I don't know. 
They, uh, yeah, I saw that. The thing about New York Times is that they put a lot of stuff up, and they have a lot of links in there, but then sometimes it's hard for you to find the thing that you look for because they have so much stuff that you read. But they had a really lengthy article on the whole issue of Varia. Uh, had several other first talking about it. I mean, so far, it sounds like even though uh, uh, over time, eventually, these mutations can be a problem, but uh, in the short term, it's not like it's unlikely it'll be some, the variant will be so um, severe, like that the vaccines don't work, you know, uh, which is kind of what you were saying. Uh, right, uh, but but it also it also just reinforces the notion that I mean all of this is new. I mean it's it's a novel virus, it's a new vaccine, and it means well, and, most likely. That, and one of the things in this article I just remembered was that uh, the vaccine will cause the virus. You know, when the pressure gets onto the virus, that's when it'll start mutating. So uh, right, because it'll try to figure out how to. Right. Override the vaccine. Uh, so, Which yeah. means We've that got, got to get it in there quick before it's too late. Well, it, it, but it also means that uh, a lot more money is going to need is going to need to be spent on science, epidemiology, and public health right. because in order to, in order to to keep pace with this virus and make sure we don't have something like this happen again, we're going to have to really uh, stay on top of this, and that's going to require a lot of money and, and resources. Well, but you know what's going to happen. It'll be the resources won't be on public health. It'll be to um, give it to the pharma, you know, to the pharmaceutical companies to make the vaccine, and that's all that'll be done, right? Right. So, but they won't, they won't make some kind of a welfare system that would help the community. I mean, that's not happening. Yeah, but I'm saying it's, it's possible that we may need a new vaccine every year. Yeah, possible. It doesn't I mean, look like it doesn't look like it right now, but uh, you know, possible. But, but we uh, don't know because yeah. again, it's a it's a new it's a new virus. Um, yeah, it's also going to take uh, the better part of Oh, that, this, this was this is also a positive thing from this article was that um, uh, unlike the flu vaccine, it's very easy to change uh, these current vaccines. Uh, okay, these DNA things, so it's much much faster turnover to respond to a variant. Well, what I think is going to happen with the vaccines is, I mean, you, you may have read about these, um, all of these Republicans who downplayed the pandemic and didn't wear masks and didn't encourage their constituents to follow the public health guidelines. And now they're cutting in line to get the vaccine. Yeah. Right. So just, you know, more hypocrisy, more in your face lying. Like they know that this is uh, dangerous. They, if they want to get vaccinated, why would they be telling their constituents, oh, this is no big deal? Basically, because they want them to go out and spread it to, to cause widespread suffering. I mentioned that, uh, that I talked to Dad um, yesterday, mm -hmm. and uh, he said he was on the list 
to get it. Instead of the, it was like seven people seventy five and old, older have first priority or something like that. Yeah, they're so, in group one B. Yeah, uh, tell tell me something about these groupings. I haven't read. Really well, I mean the the, the first group one uh, A, of course, is the frontline uh, healthcare workers and the people in the nursing homes. Uh-huh. Group one B is people who are seventy five uh, or older. And then Group 1C is people, uh, uh, I think, 65 to 74, and then people uh, 16 to to, uh, to 64 who have uh, comorbidity problems like obesity, diabetes, yeah. uh, health conditions such that if they did get infected, would put them at significantly greater risk for dying. That's right. So, I mean, if your dad is on is in the Group 1B, and that yeah. would mean that my mom is also in mm-hmm. in group 1B but the the still the the missing detail is when you know when does group 1B get vaccinated mm-hmm. i mean it it is encouraging to know that you're next but does that mean tomorrow mm-hmm. january june mm, i bet <clears throat> i mean i would guess February. But it's, the it's, it. it's a guess. Like you have to guess. I don't want to have to freaking guess. Well, I mean, something I, that's this important. I, I understand that. I'm sure if you went to the CDC site or whatever, they they might have. Right. If I do their work for them, like why can't they just disseminate the information? You know, well, I'm CNN on all the time. I'm constantly on the internet. I mean, I'm reading. So why do they? Why do they tell you? They're not telling me anything. I, I told you just now everything I know. There is a group called 1B, and it means that the people next in line are people 75 and older but no, are going to get back. No, but nobody but talks about what. estimates or anything. No. Or the, only, the only detailed news that I've gotten that I would say is encouraging is that the Moderna vaccine has been improved, and the Moderna is 94.5. Uh, effective as opposed to the Pfizer BioNTech, which is 95%. Uh, and so they, they, they're they saying that now that the, we have the two vaccines, there's a lot more um, doses to jab people with. And so that's good. Plus, Pfizer said that there's actually more doses in the vials than uh, people originally thought. So um, so that's good. So I'm not I'm not denying that there isn't any good news at all, but it just doesn't make any sense and it is kind of frustrating to still not get any specifics. I mean, I, I it's one thing to say it will take time to get people vaccinated, but there's no reason that there shouldn't be a timeline. I mean, for example, if someone like, you know, my mom or your dad knows that on December the 28th, they'll get vaccinated. Well, then it's it's pretty easy to say, well, you know what? For one week, I just won't leave my home. Because all I have to do is wait another seven days and then I can get I can get vaccinated. But but when people just don't give you any of this information, you tend to still, have, you know, go about your business. You probably go to the grocery and do other things that that put you even if it's minimal risk still at some risk 
So what what we're left with is to orchestrate a heist of one of these trucks that right. has the vaccine. Take that shit. Well, I think another thing that we could do, uh, they make a lot of money, is um, with all the suckers out there, is just uh, say, you know, hey, we, we've got it. You know, don't wait on the government. You know, government's not the solution. Government's the problem. <laughs> Get some, Contact us here at the Oblivion Podcast, and we'll get you. We'll get the vaccine to you. It's yeah, a one-time it, payment of ten thousand dollars. And <laughs> but you know, speaking it, of, I'm I'm glad it's just a sugary tasting pill. One sugary right. tasting pill. I'm glad that, um, and we've got it. We've got it in uh, in diet form as well. We've got. A, <laughs> diet version of the vaccine so you don't have to worry about putting on a few extra pounds because we know that's already an issue over the holidays but um uh yeah one of my concerns is that the with the way that this uh vaccine is actually going to happen is that the assets are going to get vaccinated like i'll guarantee you that all of the college football and basketball players and the and the pro athletes NFL football players, they're they're going to get vaccinated uh, because they've got to have those sports teams. Uh, the entertainers and the rich people are going to get vaccinated, and the rest of us, I mean, we'll just take uh, it'll it'll take forever. One account that I read, and this is from Biden's incoming Surgeon General, said that it may be until the fall that that this the general population would get vaccinated. And man, oh man, I mean, that's a long time. I mean, that's nearly another year. I mean, this is just the first day of winter. You know, yesterday it was fall. So you could be talking that it could be until December the 20th of 2021 before everybody's vaccinated. I mean, that is way, way too long, given how uh, weakened the, the, the nation already is from, from what we've had to go through. Uh, but another concern that I have that was brought up when you mentioned the pharmaceutical companies is um, that uh, what happens if they decide that they're going to start uh, charging people a lot of money to get vaccinated? Mm, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll vaccinate you, but this is, this is going <laughs> to cost, you know, $1,000. But then what will happen is, since we're going to need the, the annual booster shot, they can just keep jacking up the price, right? And that would be, that'd be the way that they can, they can weed out the low-status, you know, undesirable pests in the population. You know, you're not making a lot of money. You don't want to play our game by our rules. Well, you know, you want your booster shot, you've you got to pay. Have you read any polls on... Um, like how many people say they don't want to have it or don't want to get it? Well, I have. My understanding is that the majority of Americans actually do want to get vaccinated. But another piece that I read said that um, the majority of people in North Carolina don't uh, want to get it. So, you know, that's another problem to get up to the 60%. Uh, it needs to be more like 80% in order to have herd immunity. 
And the reason is that herd immunity is, is so important is that people have to understand even if you, once you get vaccinated, there's still a 5% chance that it, you're not inoculated, right? Because 5% of the people who get jabbed, the vaccine won't work for them. And if, if herd immunity hasn't been reached, you're still vulnerable, right? I mean, that's kind of maddening. Um, but it's still, I mean, it's, I feel much better knowing that I'm 94 to 95% safe versus zero percent safe. So if you're vaccinated, you can still wear a mask and go out and do some things and be very cautious and you should be okay. Uh, Versus now where, I mean, I just, you know, I don't want to go anywhere. I mean, I do, I want to do, I I want to go places, but I'm not, I'm not going to, because it's just not worth it. Um, You had on here to kind of shift uh, towards the end to some some drug talk, man. You had uh, cannabis use disorder on here. Why did that show up? It's just the latest version of reefer madness that this, you know, endless tiresome propaganda about how dangerous cannabis is. The plant has been around a thousand years and has never killed anybody. I'm sorry, thousands of, of years. It's never killed anybody. There's just simply nothing wrong with smoking pot. It's a horrible, awful, oppressive, uh, ugly law, and people just don't want to let go of it because they just they love their power and, and their desire to, to punish other people, and they, and they can't wean themselves of it. But cannabis use disorder... Is, is a sham diagnosis that basically means people who like to smoke pot. Now, you like to smoke a lot of pot. Well, so what? So what if, you, if a person likes to smoke a lot of pot? If it's supposed to be a free country and no one can tell you to wear a mask and no one can tell you you can't go to church, then why can people tell you that you can't smoke a lot of pot? I mean, it's, it's really, it's really just uh, miserable, and uh, you know, I'm somewhat uncomfortable, you know, waiting to see what uh, drug war Joe is is going to do as as president. And people keep insisting that he's changed his mind about things, um, but the, uh, I mean, the, the better thing to do with what evidence? Exactly. I mean, so instead of just telling us that, you know, Biden's a good man and he's open-minded and he's changed his mind, the better thing to be saying is that, you know, now is the time for Joe Biden to redeem himself and and to demonstrate to the American people through his uh, policies and governance that, <clears throat> that he no longer believes in the war on drugs. And I, I mean, I'm willing to say we've, we've got a let him get inaugurated and give him time to show what he's going to do. But we also have to hold him accountable. I mean, you can't just say, well, Donald Trump's not president anymore and Biden's a good guy and then go back to sleep. That won't help anything.
And another related topic is, I don't know if I uh, wrote this one down or, or not, but uh, is, uh, is six ounces. Do you know what uh, six ounces relates to? Uh, no. Well, the, uh, the New Jersey legislature uh, followed through and actually uh, the reports that, that I read a couple of days ago went through and, and made it official law that it is now uh, either legal or going to be legal in New Jersey. And the, the, the legal limit is, is six ounces. Nice. Which is fair amount. Which is a lot. I mean, it's even, it's more, I think, than in uh, Colorado and California, where I think you're only allowed to have an ounce at a time. Well, to, to transport it, I don't, you know, uh, I don't think people are busted for possessing. Well, of course, if, you know, if you're able to grow, I think six plants at a time, uh, of course, nobody follows those rules because it's the Wild West now. But, uh, I mean, six plants, you grow that outdoors, you got pounds <laughs> of right. weed. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's mostly just transport uh, is what that's really used for. So, yeah, quite a bit. uh, Well, I think that the the law, at least least in, um, um, at least in in Colorado, I think the law is is, uh, six plants, but only three can be uh, mature. So you can have your three mature flowering plants, and then you can have, you know, three more seedlings, right? So that when you harvest the mature ones, you'll have the other ones that are growing and about ready to produce. Yeah. But as far as I can gather, there's very little of any enforcement. Yes, I haven't heard about more. anybody... I haven't heard about anybody getting arrested in Colorado for having 29 grams of pot. (laughs) So I guess since we're on the topic, I mean, what do you think is going to happen with the Biden presidency? And do you think that there will be any other states that will, um, that will move to to legalize? No. Yeah. I definitely think that there'll be more states. I mean, uh, New York seems more likely, you know, New Jersey, of course, <clears throat> it seems like it's going to have to push it, push it over the edge. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. You would think now, now maybe the cops are just so fucking powerful there or whoever it is that's against it. Um, yeah, I don't think New York will do it. I think, I think New York is, is a sham. I think New York City is a sham. I think it's a very conservative place. I mean, it puts on literally a show, right? Because it's got Broadway in the theater. But those things, in and of themselves, don't make a city a liberal place. Mm-hmm. Just like it doesn't make it a liberal place because you've got all these different languages well, and immigrants I, there. But yeah, I mean, I don't even think um, just um, as far as a basic uh, monetary. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, the thing is, is like Cuomo is such a Pop, dickhead, you know. Uh, I don't see him pushing it. Um, 
Well, no, in a place like New York City, I mean, remember who was mayor there not long ago? Rudy Giuliani. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, does that really sound like a, a liberal place? And I'll tell you another uh, powerful group of people that doesn't want to have any legal uh, pot, and that's the uh, the alcohol bar and restaurant industry. Right. And of course, in New York City, especially in Manhattan, you know, bars, you know, alcohol, alcohol, alcohol is a big, big deal, right? Because they want everybody going out. They want them uh, spending money going to see plays, going to the museums, doing all this other nightlight stuff, and they spending, weren't drinking. Spending their $600 check on one night of, of uh, <laughs> right. car yeah, hopping. you got to go out and, and, and blow it out with your $600 uh, to, um, to, to, you know, blow it out at, at all the bars. And, and the, the alcohol people definitely, because uh, that's American capitalism. It's all uh, monopoly. Right. It's, it's, it's all about uh, having you have total control over over one market. And uh, and they don't want a legal pot. You know, they don't want people to have the the competition or the choice to say, you know, do I want to go out bar hopping and and drinking all night or what I instead prefer just to, you know, get some cannabis and uh, go home and mellow out and and use that. And, and definitely New York city is a place where they don't want people to be mellow and relaxed. I mean, it's a, it's a super adrenaline, um, super aggressive, you know, fear mongering population, right? It's, it's, it's boomer bust every single second. You know, you're either in that elevator going straight to the top or, you know, you're being chewed up and spit out and that's the way New Yorkers like it. So, no, I don't see, in fact, I think New York will probably double down. You know, they've got that New Jersey, New York Transit Authority, and they'll, they'll go crazy over uh, this searching everybody, you know, coming, coming into the city from, from New Jersey. Because they know that the, you know, the potheads in, in New York will think, yeah, I'll just go over to New Jersey and get it and come back, and they'll be able to, They'll be able to bust people, and that's how they'll be able to make their money. Um, I mean, I would like to think that New Jersey would kind of put it over the edge, that it would, I mean, if you're Pennsylvania, now what do you do? Uh, you even got, you know, Maryland, you know, Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, borders New Jersey. Um, but and, I can't and of course, D.C. is already legal, so it borders that. Right. Uh, so you're, you're, you know, my thing is it's kind of gone on so long with the past work legalization that at this point, if everyone hasn't already legalized it, it starts to make it seem like they never will. Whereas, say, in, in 2016, when you had that second round of numerous states legalizing it, you could say it's actually happening. But that whole idea of the dominoes, right? But you know, once that first domino falls, the idea is the analogy is all the other dominoes fall pretty quickly, which is what happens in dominoes, right? The first one goes down. It's not like it takes another decade for the next dominoes to go down. 
And we're clearly not seeing that. I mean, the rate of legalization has definitely slowed. Um, I would also like to think that that a, a really conservative state like South Dakota legalizing it would spur on other states to do so. But then you've got a bordering state, which is no, which is uh, known as a a liberal state, which I don't think is liberal at all. Minnesota, you know, home of Walter Mondale and Amy Klobuchar, you think Minnesota's going to do this, but I can't see them doing it either. So I, I just, I mean, I, it's, it's definitely great for the cannabis movement that New Jersey has done it. And it'll, it'll put the economic pressure on New York city and New York state to do it. But I just don't get the sense that there's any real, um, increasing, uh, rapidity of the rate of legalization. Certainly the South is never going to do it. And certainly the, at the federal level, it will never become federally legal. Yep. Quite possibly. Okay. That's your prediction. Um, I, I don't know about the federal. Yeah. It, it's looking like it'll be a while. Uh, uh, um, but I, I, you know, there'll there'll be more states. You know, I never would have thought uh, South Dakota would. So I mean, there'll be some surprises. Um, but yeah. So okay, man. Good good pod. Um, take well before out. before we're done, um, and I'll I'll make this point fairly quickly. I just want to go back to the idea of the that we are now in the 22nd century, uh-huh. and um, there's there's two ways of looking at time, right? There's chronological time and event time. Now chronological time, the 20th century is starts in the year 1900 and ends in 1999. But to look at the 20th century in terms of event time, you could say it begins with the dropping of, a, of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August of 1945, and it ends with the fall of the Berlin Wall in November of 1989. Now, what do these bookends uh, represent in terms of, uh, of the story that's told? Well, the United States rises to be the supreme world power, right? I mean, the supreme. Bomb, America becomes a world power, and then once it defeats the Soviet Union and the Cold War, it becomes the world power. So go to the 21st century, right? Chronologically, it starts in the year um, 2000, and it'll end in 2099. But really, and you know, if in uh, event time, I'd say that the 21st century is already over, right? It started with the attacks of September 11th, and it ends with the year 2020. And I really do think the coronavirus just put America to, to sleep. And and what story do those bookends tell? Well, it's, it's the end of America as a dominant empire, as, as a dominant world power. Night-night. And of course, what you what you see there is you see uh, acceleration, right? The event time of the 20th century 
is lasting 45 years. 21st century, it really only lasts 20 years. But that's consistent with, and I think we talked about this in the last podcast, especially with regard to climate change, just an increasingly volatile world. So I, I really do think that, that you know, 2021 uh, isn't just a new year. It's really the beginning of the 22nd century in terms of event time. Like, we are definitely in a new world. It's and the age of Aquarius. China is, is, the, is the new world power, <laughs> to which I want to say, Chong Hao Chai You know what that means in Chinese? <laughs> no. It means Chinese food is delicious. And that was what I said to the room full of uh, Chinese and um, American participants at the uh, China-U.S. Literacy Conference in Beijing in 2007 when we were having a farewell dinner, and I got up and gave a toast. So I sat at a table with all Chinese people, and they, uh, they taught me how to say Chinese food is delicious. I don't know Chai But it turns out they taught you to say I like to fuck my mother. Right, 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 right. How do I know, right? Well, they all applauded and, and clapped. So they, they yeah, you, yeah, they. Yeah, they I'd like to point. fuck my brother. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, all righty. Praise, praise be China. And. Uh, well, for uh, Dave Miller, this is uh, Dr. Dave Overby. Enjoy the conversions and happy holidays. See you next time. <laughs>